The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. You're listening to the Jacob Media Sports Network in partnership with AM1490 Sports Betting Radio. Subscribe to the Jacob Media channel on YouTube for access to all daily sports content. All right, welcome back. It's the Friday Fix Madness edition here uh, with the conference tournament action gearing up on a Friday going up until 10 p.m. And you heard the man. Before I came back, make sure you're subscribed to the Jacob Media YouTube channel, J-A-K-I-B Media. That's where you can find all of the conversations with John McMullen that we have nightly posted the next day, among a lot of other great content from John, from the guys over at the middle. Uh, So make sure you are locked in to the YouTube channel. All right, let's uh, bring John into the conversation now and... Still plenty to get to, uh, restructures, pro days, and more. John, what's going on, man? Happy Friday. Happy Friday. We made it another week. Uh, I guess that's always something to uh, celebrate. Maybe with a little pineapple-infused vodka. <laughs> yeah, if you, uh, if you want to get crazy enough, I guess uh, if that's what you're into, <laughs> go for it. Um, I'll stay away from that, though, at least for tonight. So, all right, let's let's uh, let's get started here, and let's start with the restructures. Brandon Brooks, and we're not surprised, right, John? But that's the announcement from today. Yeah, not Barrett, but Brandon Brooks, yeah. Brandon, sorry. And that, to me, is good news because, you know, there was at least a little bit uh, of a chance. I don't, I don't think much. I put it at about 10 or 15% that, Eagles could look to move on from Brandon because of the injury situation, the contract. Uh, but, you know, what? he is healthy, and that's a big if, as we said, with his age and his size and two Achilles injuries in essentially less than three years. Um, so you got to cross your fingers. But if he's, if he's ready to go, if he's playing, I mean, that's – if he's not the best guard in the league, he's he's right he's right there behind Quentin Nelson. Um, so, you know, we we all talked about building up around Jalen Hurts to make things easier for Jalen Hurts. And I've said, you know, everybody's focused on the skill position players. The easiest way to do it is to fix that offensive line, and the easiest way to fix that offensive line is to have a healthy Brandon Brooks and a healthy Lane Johnson, which again is you can't count on it, but again, cross those fingers and it's it's pretty darn good if they're out there. So, you know, like I also saw um Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are working to restructure. Brady got an extension. Um, I don't know if that's apples to apples, but I did read that, you know, helps the team with cap space. And what I'm getting at, John, is it, it seems like each big player, you know, not literally, but just the, the bigger 
um, you know, stars on each team are, are pretty much forced to restructure. I, I don't know if they're forced or not, and, and that's where I want you to just fill us in on how this is all going down across the entire league. No, a lot of times they're not forced, and and there's two ways and there's two sort of languages in contracts. Sometimes in in the case of of really big contracts, in the case of somebody like Patrick Mahomes, sometimes the language is already in there that allows the team to restructure the deal without the permission of the player. And I'm not saying that's the case in Mahomes. It usually is in that type of case. Um, and then there's uh, the more boilerplate wording where a uh, player has to agree to a contract extension. And, and when that happens, it can become more problematic, more difficult. Um, and that's where you see guys getting released. And, you know, for whatever reason, loggerheads, they don't want to agree to it. But, uh, yeah, and then there's two types of extensions or two types of restructures. Um you know, where a team goes to a player and says, look, you're just, you know, haven't played up to your contract, whatever, you got to take less money. Or B, in the case of all the Eagles restructures, basically, the players aren't taking less money. They're just getting their money up front. So in a lot of ways, it's better for the player. Uh, you don't have to wait for your money and exchange. Exchange for that, um, the Eagles get to prorate uh, the money over the rest of the contract instead of uh, a big lump. So, in other words, uh, if you have three years left on your deal and you're scheduled to make $15 million, well, the Eagles may give, may make $12 million of that into a roster bonus, give it to you right away, and by doing that, they lower your salary down to $3 million, and they can spread that $12 million over that three years. So that's sort of the trick. And sometimes it's already written into your contract. You don't even need the permission of the player to do that. And just to reiterate, how many more names and who are they do we anticipate from the Eagles uh, to be restructured? The final two would be Brandon Graham and Lane Johnson, um, and they might already been they might already have been done. Um, it just has to be filed with the NFLPA, and then it slowly trickles out. Uh, those two have been sort of in the pipeline for a while, um, and that'll be it. And and then, um, you know, the Eagles will probably still. Again, try to trade Zach Ertz or release Zach Ertz, but it's not imperative, um, you know, for the start of, of the new league year or anything of that nature. Marquise Goodwin's been another, um, you know, sort of out of sight, out of mind. We'll see what the Eagles do with him. But as far as the major restructures, um, yeah, this is it with Brandon and Lane tacked on, uh, and that's basically how the Eagles will get to um, the salary cap by next Wednesday. So a, a story has emerged here, of course, regarding Lane Johnson, and this is from a couple years ago at least, but I'm sure there's been more recent examples of a, you know, potential conflict or arguments, disputes, whatever. 
But uh, Philadelphia Eagles general manager Howie Roseman and the offensive lineman Lane Johnson reportedly had an altercation prior to an October 2018 game in London against Jacksonville. This is from Jeff McLean of the Philadelphia Inquirer, described the scene, uh, noting the relationship between the two was already on edge. And at one point, I'm going to skip through some of this, Johnson stormed off and said, I can't play for this guy after Howie said, good, you have your mouthpiece in, now you can't say anything stupid. Uh, well, one, I, I got to give Howie credit. <laughs> you know, Lane's, Lane's about 6'6", six, six, uh, three, 320, maybe on a bad day. Uh, so, yeah, I, all, all the credit in the world. I, you know, to me, it strikes me as Howie trying to be one of the guys, um, so to speak, and that's how kind of Jeff described it as, you know, Lane and and Howie in the past had given each other the business um, locker room talk, so to speak. Uh, and he thought he was, you know, giving him a playful uh, tug. But for whatever reason, Lane obviously was trying to play through injury. You know, we always talk about people. You never know what type of mood somebody's in on a particular day. Who knows what's going on in their personal life? You know, yada, yada. Um, and you know, they're in a bad mood and they take it the wrong way. I, I think that's what happens. You know, I don't think Howie Roseman is trying to bully Lane Johnson, but it, it's it's interesting. It, to me, it's a case study in, you know, stay away, uh, as they say. In, in, in NFL locker rooms, locker rooms are supposed to be for the players. Um, and generally, coaches don't go in locker rooms, never mind general managers. Um, it's sort of their private space. Um, and, and I think, you know, Howie's got to get back to that. Um, and it's interesting, you know, after the season at his season-ending press conference, I, I was asking him about Zach Ertz and the stories about um, a blow-up at practice and how his relationship was with Zach. Uh, completely different, and he went off. I don't know if you remember Ryan, but he went off on that Moneyball tangent, where he's talking about the movie, and his kids were asking him, and that scene where, you know, Brad Pitt tells Jonah Hill, you know, said, you know, cut somebody or whatever, um, and, and he told him how to do it, and he, and he said you got to be professional about it, and you got to keep your distance from the players, essentially. Yeah, I think Howie needs to go back to that and take that advice, um, to be honest. He shouldn't be trying to, you know, bull bleep with the players, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, what's he doing? Like, what's he even doing there? You know, like, I, well, I think he wants to be one of the guys, you know, sort of that thing. We've, we've had that discussion with, you know, he's not a, a, a football guy. And he did it, you know, there was also talk about Chip Kelly in there and how Chip Kelly and, and uh, Tom Gamble um, would sort of talk behind uh, Tally's back. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you want to say make fun of him, but anybody who's been around uh, an NFL locker room, um, there is that sort of football guy 
camaraderie, whatever, I don't know how you want to describe it, and how he's not a football guy. And I, I think the, he's not looked at as a football guy by a lot of people uh, in the industry, and I think that, that rubs him the wrong way, and he tries to tries to fit in, for a lack of a, a better term. But, you know, his strengths are, are different. I think he should embrace those strengths. And, you know, don't worry about that kind of stuff. He's got a difficult job. Um, anytime you have to cut players, um, you know, renegotiate, make difficult decisions, um, not everybody's going to like you. So, you know, if I had that job, that would be where I would approach it from and say, well, I know I'm going to be unpopular anyway, so I'm not going to get in the personal relationships here because it can only muddy things. But that's what I think is going on. He's trying to be one of the guys, and he shouldn't be trying to be one of the guys. But that's not – I feel like I hear you, and I agree, but – he should be able to read the room. Like, you know when someone isn't a fan of you. So why are you talking to him like that? You know, like, it's not like he's saying, hey, Lane, on this play, make sure you, you know, it just doesn't seem like. Well, I think, and if you if you read Jeff's uh, article, they did have that relationship. So they did sort of bust each other's chops um, at times. And anybody who's met Lane, you know, Lane can can give it and take it as well as anybody. It's a really funny guy, um, you know, and can talk uh, a little bit of you know what. Right. Uh, and again, that's that's good if you're his friend, if you're his teammate. When you're his boss, you know, it might be great for a week or two weeks or three weeks, and then again, something's wrong. Uh, and, and in the piece, Jeff specifically mentioned uh, a personal issue he's going through, um, and all of a sudden, something that's maybe uh, a little bit, you know, off the cuff or not serious is taken seriously. And I think, I, I think the bigger problem, as I said, is not not the the one issue that everybody's going to latch onto. I understand why everybody's latching onto it. I think the bigger issue is he shouldn't have put himself in that position thinking I can mess around with the players. That's not your job to mess around with the players. Go up to the third floor. Don't mess with the players. So what is, what does this story mean to you, John? Like, is this, is this something, is this nothing, or is it just, you know, more examples of, of what we already know? I think it's more examples of what we already know. I, I mean, the, the Eagles, um, and, and I've been saying for a couple of weeks now, it's, you know, it's more Jeffrey Lurie than Howie Roseman, not vice versa. Um, you know, Jeffrey's comfortable with Howie Roseman. So, you know, people want to focus on, Howie and and they want Howie fired and all that. Well, only one guy can fire him, and he's not going to fire him because he's comfortable with him. So if you almost to me by nature, if you have that big of a problem with Howie Roseman, well then you got to look elsewhere. You got to look to the to the real um, center of the problem. And there was sort of an explanation in the story as well with their relationship and the fact that. Uh, 
you know, basically Jeffrey listens to one guy, and that's how he Roseman. So there's, uh, I guess, good to that. Most people would think more bad to that. But I, I – you know, I think I also think Jeff was very fair and pointed out that the Eagles have been more successful than most teams um, with this setup. Um, so you, you have to be fair about it. And to his credit, I think he was fair uh, in the story. Talking with John McMullen uh, for his nightly appearance right here on The Fix. Follow him at jfmcmullenphillyvoice.com. SI.com, host of Extending the Play, which you can listen to tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. right here on 1490 Sports Betting Radio. All right, so Jeffrey Lurie came out to start this week saying no quarterback competition, uh, which basically implies they're going to look elsewhere with the number six overall pick, meaning not the quarterback spot. Yet, Shane Steichen and Brian Johnson uh, took in a certain quarterback's pro day today, John. So fill us in there. I know you wrote about, uh, wrote about it as well on SI.com. Yeah, Trey Lance's pro day at North Dakota State uh, today, um, and Shane Steichen and, and Brian Johnson were there representing uh, the Eagles. Um, and, you know, two ways to look at it. Last time they were at North Dakota State for, for a big quarterback, uh, you know, Howie was there, Doug was there, Jeffrey Laurie was there. Maybe the first time, maybe the last time he was in North Dakota, for all I know. Uh, but he even uh, took Carson Wentz to dinner uh, after his pro day. So um, I, I wouldn't <laughs> overblow the fact that uh, Shane and, and Brian Johnson were there. Um, in fact, as I wrote on Sports Illustrated, more more of a plausible deniability thing. You know, if you think about two years down the line, three years down the line, Trey Lance turns into a star quarterback. And, and by the way, he has got a massive upside talking to um, scouts around this league and, and personnel people um, and, and texting with people today. I, I mean, he's got a, a – a ceiling that is as high as you're going to see. Now, also, you know, he's probably the classic boomer bus guy. So, you know, by having Brian Johnson there, by having Shane Steichen there, you give yourself a plausible deniability. Say, we did our due diligence, but we thought so-and-so, insert whoever the Eagles are going to pick, was better. Uh, and that's sort of how the NFL does business. And by the way, that's just not the Eagles. That's everybody. But, you know, Jeffrey has said quarterback's not on the table. I've been above board. That shouldn't be the case. They should be able to evaluate this kid with everybody else. And, look, maybe they come to the conclusion they don't want him in a, in a real fashion. Um, but he should be in the mix, man. Uh, anybody in the top half of the draft that is expected to go in the top half of the draft, the Eagles personnel department should be able to evaluate, should be able to consider, and that's just not the case. So to me, that's the bigger problem with the Eagles right now than any sort of salacious gossip from a couple of years ago. 
How much does, you know, these pro days really matter, John? Like, you're not going there and saying, well, let's make a decision. Like, nine times out of ten, you're going there to show the player how serious you are. That's, you know, you mentioned Jeffrey Lurie, Doug, Howie, all going to North Dakota for Wentz. Um, Maybe seeing one or two things in person after watching a ton of film. Uh, But would you agree or disagree? Just fill us in on how these teams approach the pro days because we know the amount of homework they're doing outside of those. Uh, typically, yeah. I, I, in a typical year, I, I don't think they're that important, to be honest. Um, more about getting to know the, the player personally, uh, face-to-face, uh, that kind of thing for teams. Uh, and that's been much curtailed, obviously, uh, during the pandemic, although things seem to be lightening up a little bit at least. But uh, I, it's more important this year because there's no combine. So this is the only time um, for scouts and personnel people to see these particular players uh, in person, get the measurements, make sure they reach that, I always say, the threshold to play whatever position you're looking at. Every NFL team sort of has a threshold for whatever. If it's you know an offensive lineman and, and, and the bench press, a defensive edge rusher, three-cone, a wide receiver, you know, better run uh, a certain 40, that type of thing. So you have to make sure they reach that um, point to where you think, okay, they have an NFL skill set, and then the other stuff comes in. I do think Lance is more interesting than most because he, he only played 17 games in North Dakota State because of the pandemic, and they shut down. Uh, they didn't play this year, essentially. They played one game. Um, so he won the national championship. He won undefeated. He became this huge prospect. Didn't get to play. I, I think a, a weird part of it is, though, and this is the interesting part if you think about the Eagles. So instead of playing, he went down to Atlanta with Quincy Avery. He's the same quarterback coach, quarterback tutor that Jalen Hurts has. And Sean Watson works with him as well. Uh, So he's been working with that guy. And I think it's interesting for this reason. Typically, you know, when you talk to NFL scouts, they always bemoan, and I can tell you this firsthand, uh, about how poor the mechanics are of college quarterbacks these days because the game has changed. We've talked about this a lot, you and I. Um, and, and the footwork is poor. And if you think about Carson Wentz coming out of North Dakota State, that was the biggest issue. And I've said for years, you know, five years in, he never really improved from it. Uh, and, you know, Trey Lance, instead of getting ready for the next game, preparing to beat whoever North Dakota State was going to play. He was down in Atlanta with Quincy working on all his mechanics and working on his footwork and working on his uh, um, um, throwing motion, which Scout says say was a little bit elongated. So, you know, I thought it was interesting today because – I put Matt Bowen's uh, scouting report up, and his first two sort of knocks on Trey Lance was just what I said. His footwork when throwing deep balls to the third level, 
in his throwing motion. And then all of a sudden he shows up at the pro day and he's been working for months and months and months, eight hours a day on his mechanics. And Daniel Jeremiah says, throwing motion looks a lot better. His footwork looks a lot better. In a weird way, not playing and just doing that sort of me work on his mechanics may, may help Trey Lance. And so I think he's going to be one of the most interesting sort of case studies in recent NFL history to see what means more. Maybe maybe working on that stuff means more than playing meaningless games on Saturday. You're going to win by 40 points. Yeah, no, that's that's interesting, and maybe we can get a little bit more into that tomorrow. Uh, I'll be with John tomorrow morning as he is the host of Extending the Play at 10 a.m. So, John, why don't you fill the listeners in um, for everything we're, we're going to get into that you're going to get into tomorrow morning on Extending the Play? Well, you and I, I think we're going to get into that because I find that pretty interesting, and I think Trey Lance is – you know, we're going to be talking about this for years and years and years if he becomes a superstar player. And I got to tell you, I was pretty impressed by him today. <clears throat> Obviously, just via Zoom and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but more so talking, as I said, to scouts uh, about him and just how much talent he has. So I want to get into that, you know, political football of him playing at the same school as Carson Wentz and why that means absolutely nothing. I can't believe people are, are hung up on that. And also Jeff's story, because we got to get into that as well, because, you know, this, this Jeffrey Laurie, Howie Roseman and coaching dynamic, we got to bring up Nick Sirianni, how he fits into that as well, because, and that's what I wrote about on Philly voice this week. Nick Sirianni's job is about, far more than X's and O's, and I'm going to explain that on the show as well. There you go. Extending the play. John McMullen, I'll be live in studio as well every Saturday, so make sure you tune in tomorrow morning uh, to hear John and I get into all of that and more 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Make sure you subscribe to Jacob Media on YouTube at J-A-K-I-B Media at J.F. McMullen on Twitter, Philly Voice, and SI.com. All right, John, another week in the books, and uh, we'll do some more of this tomorrow morning. All right, we made it. We made it. Let's do it. Let's extend the play, Ryan. Extend the play, baby. All right, John, later, man. All right, thanks, man. There he is, J-Mac. J-Mac!